Welcome to Bang the Table Talks, a podcast that discusses the evolving world of community engagement. Explore and learn with us as we host conversations with leaders in community engagement, stakeholder consultation, and public participation. We'll discuss current trends, best practices, as well as tips, tools, and ideas for better engagement programs. Welcome, everybody, to today's podcast. My name is Jonathan Bradley. I'm an engagement specialist and head of practice in the UK. And today I've got with me James Sampson Foster from Coventry City Council. And we're going to be talking about their progress and journey so far with online engagement, online consultation using Engagement HQ. So just before we start, if you don't mind, James, if you could just um, briefly introduce yourself. Yeah, uh, so um, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, I'm James Sampson Foster. I'm an analyst in our engagement team, um, in the Insight team at Coventry City Council. Um, And I'm the main guy that's been uh, responsible for putting together our new webpage that we've used with EHQ. And it's called Let's Talk Coventry. And we're very excited about it. And um, we're already beginning to see some really fantastic results with it. Great stuff. Thanks a lot, James. So Let's Talk Coventry, or should I say Let's Talk Coventry.gov.uk, um, is now up and very active. So well done, everybody. Yes, it is. Yeah, that's excellent news. It's great to see. What we'd like to do during this conversation is break down um, the steps for how you got here and, and what you've got planned uh, as you move forward. So just to kick off, really, where did this whole idea come from? Well, I think it, it really came from a real desire to enrich our engagement, um, especially our, our online engagement. You see, we wanted to move on from uh, a black box survey monkey type of feedback to a more open way of engaging um, where we built up an online community. Because uh, very often when you do, you know, you, lots of your listeners will understand, you, you very often get a kind of a survey for a feedback, piece of feedback. You click on the link, you go to a survey, you contribute your views, and I don't know, 10, 20 minutes of your life has just disappeared, and you don't see any kind of result. Um, we really wanted to go beyond that kind of approach uh, to something which is far more joined up, um, and so a more open way of engaging. So a big part of this was moving beyond the survey, if you like, for you guys. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, good stuff. And uh, was it originally an engagement platform that you imagined? Yeah, we definitely wanted an engagement platform um, because what we really wanted was a sort of a a kind of one-stop shop where all of our consultations and engagement could all live, where people who were interested in having their voice heard could all talk together. Um, And so we hope that that would lead to a positive spiral of increasing engagement where, for instance, you'd come and visit a site for one consultation or piece of engagement, and then you would be able to find out, actually, hang on a minute, there's something else here which is quite exciting. Maybe I'll go and click on that. I might have my say over that as well. Whereas other approaches where you look at these things in isolation, you know, somebody who is switched on about one issue might not hear about something that they they really would like to have their say on um, which they've just not been provided with a link for so we wanted an engagement platform and we also wanted something which was to be honest a little bit more exciting Uh, we wanted a a multimedia approach to consultation and engagement because very often uh, if you guys have seen you know consultation documents um, bits of engagement you know lots of things that the council does seem very boring 
you know, very grey, long documents full of, you know, thousands of words, which, let's be honest, people don't really want to read. And so we thought that actually having an engagement platform, we could think of more, um, whilst we'd still have the long form documents, we could find uh, more exciting ways of summarising those kinds of things in, in videos and in pictures and graphics and that sort of a thing to actually make engagement with the community, uh, something which is more attractive and more interesting and fruitful for everyone concerned. Yeah, great stuff. And, and surely that's the way that people are used to um, well, increasingly you know, living out in their everyday lives, really. Um, you know, that's sort of more of a multimedia approach and looking at things on their phones and on their tablets and things like that. Exactly. One of the things, obviously, is trying to get, get things to work internally. So um, how did how did you... Um, you know, what did you do internally that was key? Uh, who did you get involved? I think one of the biggest things which is related to, I think, engagement in general, but also a special engagement platform is actually internal buy-in. You see, you need to get people outside of your team involved and invested in engagement and consultation in order to make it work. Engagement is often you know, done within a comms team or a research team, or we're very lucky here in Coventry City Council to having a, a and a dedicated engagement team. But we're acutely aware that actually we're not the people who make decisions or who deliver frontline services. You know, it, it's not us who's going to go out and, you know, pave your road. It's not us who's actually providing, you know, social care. Um, and so that means that you need to have buy-in from all of those different parts of your authority if you are a, a member of a local authority. Um, because there's not much we as a team can do on our own aside from chatting. Um, and chatting only gets you so far. People want to have a conversation that actually leads towards something um, that isn't just a talking shop, but actually is a, is a positive experience which helps shape the city that they live in. Yeah, brilliant. So it's really important that, that decision makers and people doing things on the ground understand the benefits of online engagement as well. Exactly. You need to work. And I think that's a lot of work I've done is actually been going out and meeting with different uh, uh, teams in, in our authority. I'm not quite sure how many employees we have. I think it's something like 3,000 or so. Um, and so I'm still finding more, more exciting teams, finding out more about what they do. Um, but it's about having those constructive conversations where you can talk honestly about um, what are your processes, uh, what are your hopes and fears um, within your team about what you can do with engagement. And you try and uh, build up those hopes um, and uh, allay those fears. Excellent stuff, and that really leads wonderfully into the next question in terms of what your expectations were of on, online engagement as, as opposed to more traditional methods. I, mean, I think the thing is, is that in some respects, online engagement is a bit of an unknown because it's, it's, it's something new. It's a difference to traditional media. And you don't necessarily know before entering into it how successful it's going to be. So, for instance, if you're going to put a discussion forum on there, um, is it going to be a great success where everyone com um, comes in and engages or does it fall flat on its face? You know, nobody comes along and you're sort of left there with a tumbleweed going past thinking, oh, gosh, yeah. I wish some people came along. The thing is that traditional engagement is well known. We know what a town hall or a ward meeting is like. And we know the opportunities, we know the limitations, and we know the likelihood. We know that you know, when we go into a town hall meeting, this is likely what's going to happen. And actually, when you go into online engagement, you have to realize that you're 
what you're stepping outside of your comfort zone. You're perhaps taking a bit of a risk, but not too much of one. And so you need to make sure that the risks that you're taking are sensible and you've considered what you will do in different circumstances. Um, and so one particular example with EHQ is the Q&A tool, which I think is, is just about one of my favorite tools um, that you offer on the platform. One of the things with it is, is that you need, before you uh, put that up on the main page, you have to ensure that you have a people process behind that to say, well, how are we going to answer the questions that the general public uh, um, actually ask of us? You know, what people are involved in the decisions that need to be made to answer various different questions. And so you need to have a view about what questions are going to be asked and how many questions are going to be asked. Um, there's always the risk, of course, that 100 people all ask questions all at once. But you have these conversations, you flesh them out with the team that you're doing um, the engagement with, and you think about how you're going to sensibly uh, manage these risks. But the thing is that these risks, they contain opportunities um, to rise above traditional limitations. It means that you can meet with people who can't appear at your sort of normal 11 o'clock meeting because they work nine to five, for instance. So there are risks, but there are great opportunities um, in online engagement. Yeah, sure. I like the way that with, when, with online engagement, you can, people can drop in and out out of conversation, factored around busy lives, but mm -hmm. still feel in a way they haven't left the room so they can leave a comment on a forum and then go and get on with something else and then come back the next day and see who's replied to their comment, who else has got a similar view, who else has got a different view. It doesn't always, it doesn't have to be done in a sort of fixed two-hour window on a, on a cold and breezy Wednesday night in February, you know. <laughs> Exactly, you know. And I think that's one of the great opportunities that it's more, a lot more accessible in many ways than the traditional. Definitely. Um, so just moving on then, when we when we did the training to get you guys started, it was really clear to us that you were you you wanted to do more than just a survey. How 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 would you describe this attitude? So I think it's uh, a really important attitude, both towards um, actually. Uh, how you, if you are going to use a survey, how you're going to use a survey, and actually being creative in terms of different solutions that you might find. Um, because I think you know, we, we hear a lot of conversation around this idea of survey fatigue. You know, people talk about consultation fatigue. And to be honest, I'm not sure that it's a thing. People, they're not tired of good consultation and engagement um, because that's because it leads to outcomes where people can, that they can see that their voices have been valued and that something has come out of it. But people are tired of, of bad engagement where their voices go into that black box we talked about earlier, where they're never heard from again and where the world seems to continue rolling on unchanged. And I think doing bad surveys is actually part of this. Um, it forms that kind of bad, bad picture. Yeah. But if you do good surveys and go beyond surveys um, and you do good engagement, um, that is the way that you kind of resolve it. But it does require a culture shift. Um, it's not a simple matter of just changing the tools that you, you need, um, that you use, sorry. Um, because a lovely engagement platform helps a great deal, but you also need to grow a willingness to, to do different things with those tools and to alter previous approaches to doing things. Um, and so that means you know, reviewing what we've done before, what worked, what didn't, and actually what opportunities do we have to perhaps do something different, especially with newer technology? Yeah, definitely. I mean, do you think that sometimes there's a tendency from decision makers to 
request a survey because they that's something that they're comfortable with and that, and for them that's what they're almost what they think consultation is yes uh, I think so I mean the the survey is a known entity um, we know what it's like we know how to analyze the results it's predictable um, the idea of um, a forum for instance is, is sometimes it's quite difficult to sell to people and I think that's one of the wonderful things about what uh, Bang the Table offers in terms of moderation because I always find in my con uh, conversations with people that that's the moment where people think okay maybe this, this will work quite well then if there's going to be moderation whereas people are, are scared that actually these different tools will become a, a vehicle for uh, unhelpful conversations. Yeah, definitely. And, and one of the things that I find incredible is from our, our own analysis, when we look at the, the proportion of comments that need actually need to be deleted or moved from forums and things like that, you know, it's around 1%. Once people actually go to an online situation, if you like, once they understand that they've joined a group of citizens or residents to talk about something, then they tend to sort of conform to good behavior, if you like, to recognize norms of how you would behave in a in a traditional town hall meeting. We, we find that people don't Definitely. misbehave, if that's the right word, like they might do on social media. So it's it's quite amazing, really, and we look forward to doing more, more research on that. Exactly. I think it's because people feel, because they are, they feel like they're being listened to. And I think that if you're on a social media platform where there's you know, thousands of comments flying by you know, every second, that sort of a thing, then actually you feel as though you're not being listened to. And so you vent your frustration rather than actually say something that would provoke a proper conversation. And I think that when you come to an engagement platform, that kind of attitude shifts because you feel, no, actually I am being listened to. So I'm going to ask what I really want to know in a constructive way. And so it, the environment changes and it provokes a better conversation, I think. Yeah, definitely. Brilliant. So talking about positive things, what's been your favorite project so far and why? I, I think I've been really pleased with um, a couple of projects that we've been doing here in Coventry with housing and homelessness. And I'm sure that many of your listeners will understand that uh, homelessness and scarcity of housing are huge problems right now in the UK. Um, and certainly in Coventry, we have uh, lots of rough sleeping um, on my walk to work. I walk past about a dozen people maybe sleeping rough in the city center. You know, if you walk past those people, um, especially in the frost that's just started, and you don't feel something, then you have to check that you haven't had your heart removed. It really is dreadful. Yeah. Um, but at, at the council, we've been talking about questions to do with, you know, housing allocation and one to do with a, a new draft uh, rough sleeping policy. And with one of those, we've actually built up a, a wonderful Q&A where the general public have been asking us tough and searching questions and that as well they should what we've been able to do with that is that we've been able to demonstrate good faith and a willingness to do what we can by answering them in the public way and that's that's one of the best things i love about the q a tool these are questions from real people and they're real questions they're tough questions from real people and you've got answers from real council officers who are trying their best to help out. Um, and you can do that in a public way that people can see. It's a fantastic tool. And the feedback that we've got from other things is, from the public is fantastic. People are reading our strategies that we put up on documents. They're reading them line by line and they're giving us intelligent, well-considered feedback. You know, people are often 
afraid to ask the public questions and you know they do give us tough answers to take on board but i'll tell you the public in coventry cares about rough sleeping and they're taking time out of their busy evenings to let us know what they think you know i think uh, i don't know if you've heard the old winston churchill quote where he uh, once said that the, he said that the best argument against democracy is a five-minute conversation with the average voter uh, and that's just utter nonsense you know, um, I tell you what, he clearly hadn't spoken to Coventrians because people from Coventry, they're clever, they're compassionate and they care. And they take time out of their busy evenings to really talk about these things with us. And it's just great. I've never seemed to be amazed by the good ideas that, that people can come up with and the positive contributions they can they can make if they feel it's a genuine process. Exactly. So with that in mind... What do you think the benefits of using an engagement platform as opposed to re relying on social media are? Because, you know, some people might argue that this can all be done on Twitter or Facebook or other social media platforms. No, I, I don't think you can have that kind of a, a constructive conversation on social media. I mean, social media has its place. You know, um, an engagement platform with social media, they should work hand in hand because social media can be a, a very quick way of getting information out there. Um, it can sometimes be a great place in smaller managed groups to have a kind of a democratic space where the community can be kind of co-owners of a page. But actually, an engagement platform allows you to do much more. It allows you to measure and understand feedback in a much better way. Um, and as we spoke about before in terms of you know, different environments, you know, Facebook can sometimes very quickly become a place of anger and unhelpful conversations where neither side feels as though they're getting anything properly out of it. Yeah. Whereas actually an engagement platform actually enables you to ask questions and review answers in a, in a, in a clever way that allows you to much better make sense of public sentiment and for the general public to actually make their voice heard in a way that we can understand and review. Um, so it's better for everybody, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. The two work together, but your own engagement platform is kind of a safe haven for people where they can maybe take those conversations a bit deeper and maybe they're more open to an alternative point of view because yeah. they you know can be people can get possibly a bit defensive and fearful of maybe playing devil's advocate when their comments are on Twitter or Facebook for all to see. Exactly. So, since you first launched your site you're pushing up towards six thousand visitors. Oh yes. And that hasn't that hasn't okay, been well. a big bang site, a big bang launch. No, it hasn't so, no um, that you know this is all this is this is a you know a, a softly softly approach to launching your site but obviously it's generated a lot of interest um what are your plans for building on that increasing visitor numbers and uh, you know maybe increasing uh, your registration so that you actually build a, a big online community definitely i mean i think we're really hoping to to continue growing in that kind of a, a, a softly softly way and we're interested in putting up all of the important conversations and consultations on Let's Talk. And that, that's interesting in terms of timeframes for, for me as, a, as an engagement practitioner, um, because by necessity, what happens on the platform depends upon what the rest of the organization is doing. And that's because, you know, engagement is all about trust and respect. You know, you should only ask a question if there's actually something to ask a question about. 
if you're prepared to take the answer seriously. And of course, you know, you need to be aware that creating or asking a question creates an expectation that actually there's something to influence there. And so what I'm doing, half of my role is actually keeping a lookout throughout the council for things that people can have a conversation about. Um, so that doesn't just mean the big service changes and reviews which come out periodically. And those things are kind of like the bread and butter of, of what we're, we're trying to do on Let's Talk. But actually, we're trying to find other opportunities to engage on services. And I think actually part of this is uh, thinking about, well, you know, what can we possibly open up to the public? What can we possibly democratize? Um, and so part of this is having conversation about, well, previously we made this choice, but is it possible of allowing the public to have some say over this? And actually, I was inspired uh, in that regard by um, a podcast that you guys did. I think I've been through like, almost all of them. And it's the idea, actually, of allowing the public to choose what flowers go into town. I mean, it's not a big conversation. It doesn't really make a difference to, to life, but actually... Walking past, you know, the, the flower, flower, you know, boxes in your in your city, and saying, actually, no, I, I chose those. It makes you feel like you've got some control over your lived environment, and I think that there's a big kind of self-esteem thing that that's really good. So we're looking for little opportunities as well as the big opportunities, and I think you often have a little bit more control over the little opportunities than you do over the big opportunities. Yeah, fantastic. One of the things that I'm really keen to see more of is what we call non-transactional engagement so it's not always about a decision needs to be made therefore we shall have a public consultation uh, which quite often narrows down the scope for for discussion and deliberation let's keep talking to our citizens our residents about the things that matter in their day-to-day -day lives and build that engagement build those conversations and build that intelligence and that insight about you know what's happening to people what, what can exactly. do How do they feel about this, that, and the other? It doesn't always have to be that transactional, policy-related discussion. Exactly, and that, and that builds and sustains a relationship there, which is really important. Yeah, most definitely, most definitely. And then people see the point, don't they? And then, and then when you do have to do something that's a little bit dry, um, let's be fair, <laughs> then, then they, may be willing to give you, they may be willing to give you that time. Um, that's a bit of a sort of what, uh, you know, it's a bit of a... Uh, yeah, okay, you know, we've had some, you know, really good discussions on things that I'm really interested in. I can see this is important to you, so I'm, you know, I'm willing to take part and tell you what I think. So, um, precisely. what's up next then? What, how do you plan to keep people engaged? Or is it just doing the things that you've already talked about? Yeah, I think it's, 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 it's mostly those things, but it, it's sort of looking for more room. Um, one of the other things that we've been trying to do uh, is actually, duplicate lots of our uh, kind of face-to-face -face engagement that we've been doing um, so yeah. w you know this hasn't you know uh, this is an augmentation to what we already do we're not we're not going to stop visiting communities and that's one of the first questions I get asked whenever I, I uh, you know I unveil the platform everyone says oh the platform's great this is great but you're not going to stop coming and talking to us are you and we say no 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 we're still going to come and talk to you because those actually face-to-face -face conversations you know they're still essential but actually it's as best we can do duplicating those conversations that we we've gone to neighborhoods um, with and different community centers um, and actually how can we do 
duplicate that conversation and bring it to the online forum to open it up to more people. Um, and that's one of the big things that we're really trying to do. Uh, and we're trying to find new and creative ways to do that. Sometimes um, what we found is when we go into a kind of a, a community engagement session, at the end, we'll ask people um, to say, well, look, how would you like to take this conversation further? And sometimes that's having more similar such meetings. But other times they say, well, actually, we don't always have time for meetings, but you know, could we do this online? And so, for instance, um, on a couple of occasions, they said, you know, it would be really great if we could have a discussion forum about this. And we said, yeah. great, we're going to make this space for you to continue this conversation. And I think actually, if you start doing that, then it becomes a bit of a movement. You know, it, it begins to snowball and take, a, take on an energy of its own. And so that's really what we're hoping will happen. Fantastic stuff. What do you think the greatest barriers are to people to people in Coventry in terms of getting involved online? Lots of it depends upon uh, uh, kinds of digital literacy. So we we know you know across across the country and across the world, digital literacy is increasing, and that's a fantastic thing. But that's not uniform. Um, you'll have different age groups and different communities that actually are less able to engage digitally. And that can just be because they're not familiar with the technology. Sometimes that's the case with uh, particularly the elderly. Um, but sometimes it can be actually a problem with literacy in general. Sometimes we find that we've got certain communities who uh, are less, less able to engage with you know, the written word in that kind of a way. That would be the case actually with online engagement, but also with um, our big long reports. And so sure. sometimes it, it, it's about finding, okay, online engagement might not work with these people, but also our traditional engagement isn't working with these people. So it prompts us to think how, in a more imaginative way, how can we better engage with those people? Because of course, as a local authority, those are the people who are, who are often less heard that we really, really need to focus on to ensure that their interests are, are being met. Yeah, I, th I think one of the benefits of doing consultation online is that you can make things accessible. You can produce uh, more easy read content and, and all of those things to address a lot of those accessibility mm -hmm. issues. But I think also the language of online engagement is more accessible in terms of just making things ready for the internet where lots of text doesn't really work that well. Um, the right kind of images and all of those things can actually make things more accessible to the general public, actually. That's definitely true. I think so, one of the other barriers to it is is kind of a, a digital saturation and I think that as an organization uh, any local authority needs to be aware of actually what are the various different digital things that you're doing because mo most councils have got a main council website but they may also have different departments with different websites you may have different social media accounts with different kind of departments and I think that it's it's important to go and have conversations with you know, the people who, who are responsible for those different kinds of uh, digital engagement and to think about well actually where are we going to direct people? Um, because I think that that's one of the, the other issues is about actually making it clear to people where is it that they need to go to find things out? Where is it that they need to go to actually make their views known? Because otherwise, I think sometimes if you've got too many platforms, it can be a little bit confusing. So it's about actually sensible workflow and uh, a sensible kind of information that you're giving out to people so they know precisely where to go. So that can be a barrier to online engagement. Sure. Now, the next question is, in your wildest dreams, there you go, in your wildest dreams, what would your perfect engagement project look like? 
Gosh, my perfect <laughs> engagement project. <laughs> yeah. Thousands of um, thousands of comments on a discussion forum. What would the, what would perfection look like? I think perfection looks like something that almost begins with the community. Actually, the community come up with an idea that they're worried about something and that we find out about it, maybe through a discussion forum or through a Q&A. And actually, then we have a conversation about that and we bring something back onto the platform saying, OK, we thought about this. How's about this as a proposed solution? And then having a big consultation, a conversation about that. And then feeding back and then the public being able to reflect upon that. Because I'd, I'd really like to have right from the beginning, you know, the, the germ of the ideas in the community. Then you have a proper conversation about the strengths and weaknesses of, of the views. Elected members get to go and chew the fat over the consequences and things like that and how, what the practicalities might look like. And then to feed back so that the general public knew, know that actually... This was their idea, and it's now come full circle, and it's handed back to them. Are you satisfied with where we've gone with it? And it's difficult to achieve, but I would really love for that to happen. On the flip side, what's the biggest threat facing um, public consultation and, if you like, community engagement? What's the biggest threat? Yeah. Gosh, um, I, think, I think sometimes it's actually it's something to do with that kind of uh, institutional buy-in um, that I talked about earlier, earlier on. It's about the busyness of the day-to-day functions of what any particular team does in the council can sometimes crowd out engagement. Um, and that's really sad. Um, but you can understand how it works you know, and how it happens. You know, if you are somebody that deals with roads, you're, dealing, you're thinking about okay, road safety, practicalities. You're thinking about the planning. You're thinking about the contractors and the amount of money that goes towards that. In that whole process, sometimes you can, uh, you can accidentally crowd out the voice of the general public. And actually with political pressures as well, with big kind of national events, um, you know, and we're thinking about there's going to be a general election soon. It's very difficult when that sort of a thing happens to, to not be distracted. And it's very important that even when these big national things are happening and when there's kind of big numbers, sums of money, you know, being talked about, that you, you remember the ordinary citizens of, of your city and to enable them to engage properly. Um, so the big threat, I think, is actually, is actually losing sight of engagement for all sorts of really good reasons. I'm not saying those things aren't important, but the big threat is losing sight. You always need to keep your community in your mind. Yeah, definitely, 100%. I think that's just made me think about we need to maybe shout louder about the successes that we have through our project to just remind people about the bottom line benefits of consultation and engagement. So where we save money, where we save time, where we make people happier or, or, or less dissatisfied with a particular choice that has to be made. Um, we should be better at just, you know, banging the table. Pardon that. Pardon the pun. Is it pun? It's not a pun, but you know what I mean. You know, we should be better at saying this engagement delivered this benefit and, and maybe celebrate some of those successes exactly. a bit more. Because that helps people so, to understand that instead of it being something which is, you know, an additional thing to their workflow, which is, you know, quite difficult and, you know, may not be what they, what they really want to go and get on doing, but making people think that it's actually an enhancement that this enhances what you do rather than being a barrier to what you do. And that's a continual exercise. I mean, they say that vision leaks, don't they, in organizations? And I think that especially with engagement and consultation, you need to keep reaffirming that vision, which is by doing this well, 
everything else that you do becomes easier. And it's about making sure that vision doesn't leak, which is a struggle. Yeah, fantastic stuff. Slightly different question now. Mm-hmm. Hopefully you know that um, at Bang the Table, we have projects running all over the world. Yes. Um, have, you, have, you, have you seen something uh, particular that was your favorite on, on a non-UK site? So something that you've seen out there that you thought, oh, that was quite interesting, that, or that was a novel way of doing that, or I like the look of that. Well, I, th- I can't remember wh- wh- where it was, but the I think the flowers was maybe a U.S. example. I'm not oh, okay. sure. So it was, it, was, it was one of those. I mean, one of the things that I'm always fascinated about is actually the kind of differences in culture in terms of engagement. And that would be something I'd love to go and actually have a conversation with your, with your partners abroad. Is there something in a kind of a, a, a US or an Australian approach or something which, which you know, works there and could work here? Or are there things that actually don't translate that well? Yeah. And, and as, as somebody who's, who's fascinated with these things, I, I would love to go and, um, go and do that. Yeah, it would be um, But I think especially with you know, the US, I think the, there's kind of a, a culture attitude of, of going out and doing things that I think that um, sometimes we can, we can learn from. A little bit more enthusiasm maybe from, uh, that we learn from our people across the pond, so that would be quite good. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's a great idea. We should get all the practitioners together. We'd probably have to do it online and then follow up with something face-to-face. So, you know, it'd be great to get everyone together to talk about their experiences. Definitely, like, if you pay for my flights, I'm I'll be fascinated there. By it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm fascinated by it as well, especially um, I think in this country we, we were ahead of the game when it came to public consultation, especially using traditional mm-hmm. face-to-face methodologies. But I think in an online space, with, with maybe because of the financial crisis and particularly how it impacted on public spending on public services in the UK, I think we're no longer at the forefront of online engagement, especially online engagement methodologies. And we can learn a lot from Australia, Canada, uh, New Zealand and and the States. You know, I'm glad you picked up on that as a benefit of of being part of Engagement HQ, because I certainly feel that as well. Mm. I think there's there there is a kind of a, a national story which we're now beginning to you know, emerge out of, but it's still difficult to coax people out of it because when you've gone through austerity, when lots of the engagement that you've been doing has been painful engagement, you know, where you're having to manage people's expectations of service closures and stuff like that, I think that leads to perhaps a more guarded approach to engagement. And I think that actually it shouldn't. It should actually intensify your engagement. And so I think it's actually dealing with that kind of uh, perhaps a slight trauma from from austerity and thinking about, you know, what does tough engagement look like? Because actually the tougher the conversation, the more important it is to have, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So any last tips or recommendations for those following in your foot? footsteps and maybe they're just getting started yeah it's just about building up a kind of an understanding of the different parts of your organization with the institutional buy-in you'll find that in a big authority different parts of your authority work in different ways perhaps to your team they might have different challenges and priorities and it's important that you introduce engagement, especially online engagement, to those different parts of your organization in a, in a sympathetic way, in a way which um, makes it feel like it's part of the solution to a problem rather than an additional burden. Um, and so to do that, you need to understand the way that they work, why they work in that way, and how engagement might fit within that picture. And in that way, you can be seen as an ally to accomplishing objectives. And that's, that is, is not, is not always uh, something that happens overnight you will deal with 
some people who are more skeptical um, and more people who are less skeptical. And um, it's, it's wonderful when you go into a meeting and everyone's like, yes, this is great, let's do it tomorrow. Um, and you think this is a good Monday. But other times you, ha- you have to go a little bit more softly, softly. And that, that's fine. That's fine. I think that you have to build in longevity into your approach that, you know, actually, you know, when you've launched your, you know, EHQ site, the world isn't going to be transformed tomorrow. You know, in your first couple of months, not everything is going to change, but it's a slow buildup of not only increasing awareness from your community, but also increasing awareness from uh, your own local authority or wherever it is that you work. Because that institutional buy-in is, 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 is brilliant. I mean, at Coventry Council, we've got uh, an engagement team. I think, um, I think there's, there's six or eight of us. I'm not sure exactly. And we're the people who are, who are dedicated to doing this. But actually, if you get buy-in from everyone else in the organization, that means that actually every team that ever speaks to a member of the general public is an ambassador for the platform and for good engagement and consultation. And so you can multiply your small team, which might sit within a comms team, and suddenly it's got hundreds of members, a thousand members, if you get that kind of a buy-in. And that means, obviously, that all the people they talk to in the community, you've got buy-in from there. So it's a slow approach, but hopefully it snowballs. Um, So have patience and don't feel dispirited, actually, because people have got good reasons and good histories for the reason why they do things. And actually, it's a slow approach to getting people to to turn about and think, actually, maybe this new thing could be a a solution to what it is that we do. Wow. That's been fantastic. Really appreciate you sharing your time with us and sharing your experiences and your ideas. I'm really looking forward to watching Let's Talk Coventry evolve over time. Yeah, that's brilliant. And uh, thanks for your time. Oh, cheers. Thank you very much. Thank you for tuning in to Bang the Table Talks. Join us for future conversations as we explore the capacity and insight that online engagement has to offer. Check out our other learning resources at bangthetable.com.